Warning. The Intercontinental Committee on Podcasting warns that listening to the Get the Fluff Out podcast may induce euphoric feelings of nostalgia, which may lead to complete and total ratitude. The show starts in three, two, one, go. Get the fluff out, 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 out. Welcome to Get the Fluff Out. I'm Hollywood, along with your co-host, Dirty Jim. And thanks for joining us on our rockin' journey through the decades in our quest for the musical holy grail, creating the ultimate Gen X rockin' mixtape playlist. On each episode, we'll choose which songs from an album review that will make the cut to appear on the playlist. It's time to experience the soundtrack of our lives. Here we are back in the studio and we have 101 countries and territories around the world listening to us on the GTFO podcast. Dirty Jim, it is our one year anniversary as we said on our last episode. Happy anniversary to you, dude. Happy anniversary to you. Also, Hollywood, I can barely contain myself. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I am happy when when I talk about how many countries and people listening, because it's a pretty cool thing where, you know, here we are. We started with this kind of little podcast and we want to talk about music because, you know, that's kind of what enveloped our lives, you know, from the time that we were kids and now here we are, you know, all these years later, we have all this, if you want to call it knowledge or useless knowledge about music and <laughs> musical facts that we want to spew out. And uh, we just enjoy doing it. So we thank you guys for taking time. We know life is busy. We You have, uh, you know, jobs and families and things that you do. But taking out the time to, to, to listen to us, guys, hopefully... We bring a smile to your face. It's uh, entertaining to you with whatever stories or things that we, you know, banter back and forth about. We're just very thankful and grateful. So I just want to say to all of you guys out there, we truly appreciate you taking the time and listening to us. I still can't believe that my peeps in Myanmar are listening. <laughs> right? <laughs> this one's for you, <laughs> Myanmar. <laughs> what up, Myanmar? <laughs> well, you know what? I actually want to do give a shout out to to a fan because we actually received a post from Taiwan from somebody by the name of Sophia Chen. And she's a relatively new fan from Taiwan. And she says, I'm a fan of your podcast. I really like your content and I hope you can keep doing it. Wow. Oh, Sophia, that was really nice. You took the time out. You said a little something. We really appreciate that. And you guys can do the same thing as Sophia. Go ahead and send us either a private message on Facebook or on Twitter or on, on Instagram or, uh, you know, wherever it is. Just send us a message, even through our website, www.getthefluffoutpodcast.com, and we'll respond back to you or give you a shout-out on the air. Sophia, thank you very much. And might I suggest a trip to Myanmar? I heard it, I heard that it is fantastic <laughs> at this time of year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So, uh, man, we got an awesome episode uh, lined up here. And, you know, for a while, it, you know, we had been mixing up a lot of different albums. We're doing, you know, odd couples. We're doing album swaps. We're doing triple band slams. We're doing make me a mixes. And... We really started out the podcast with just doing one album per episode. Well, you know what? Today we are going traditional, Dirty Jim. We're just going to do one album for the entire episode. One long album. <laughs> and so today on the GTFO podcast, we have the great pleasure of picking songs for the Ultimate Gen X Rock and Mixtape playlist from one of the greatest concept albums in hard rock history called... Operation Mind Crime by Queensryche. Please welcome rock and roll legend, Queensryche! So I did make mention of this on our Facebook group that we were going to be recording this podcast. And right away, one of the first responses was from uh, Keith Garlitz. And Keith Garlitz wrote uh, about Operation Mind Crime. I wore this cassette out twice. 
I like the whole album because it tells a single story. It's sort of a metal opera. And I agree with Keith. It's uh it's it's all it's it's all good. It's too much good. <laughs> was was that two cassettes or was it the same cassette that he wore out twice? Because I'm a little confused. Uh, <laughs> that could be the second one that you said. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, man, uh, let's not waste any more time. I want to get into this amazing album, Dirty Jim. All right. Okay, so as far as the band is concerned, Queensryche, they originated in Bellevue, Washington in 1982. And this album, Operation Mindcrime, was released May 3rd, 1988. It is their third full-length studio album. And the band members are Jeff Tate on lead vocals and playing some keyboards. We got Chris DeGarmo on guitar. We have Michael Wilton on guitar. We have Eddie Jackson on the bass. And Scott Rockin' Rockenfeld on the drums as well as keyboards. Dirty Jim, why don't you hit us with some album notes? All right. Well, as you stated, this is a concept album, and its story follows Nikki, who is a recovering drug addict, who becomes disillusioned with how corrupt society is and becomes involved with a revolutionary group as an assassin of political leaders. And in 2017, it was ranked the best heavy metal album of 1988 by Loudwire magazine. It ranked number 67 on Rolling Stone's 2017 list of the 100 greatest metal albums of all time. And Kerrang! magazine ranked it the number two album of 1988. And this album went platinum in the U.S. I'm surprised there's not a whole bunch more information about that because I thought this album would be great all around the world. But they didn't talk about it, so I guess it wasn't all that popular everywhere else but it did go platinum in the United States. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was looking up some information too, and I, I kind of found the same thing, but I, I did find an interview with Jeff Tate about the about the album, which I thought was interesting because, and here's, here's one of the things that I always thought that they were going to do that they didn't do, and that's actually make a feature film, kind of like the way that Pink Floyd did with The Wall. Right. And so in the interview, the interviewer asked him, you know, you know, it's... If you ever did Operation Mindcrime as a feature film back that at that time in 88, who would you cast as Dr. X, as Nikki, and as Sister Mary? So Jeff Tate said Dr. X would probably be played by Max von Sydow, whose features I had used as the physical outline of Dr. X. I love his acting, and the guy on the album cover is modeled after Max. So I would have cast him. And then he said, Nikki was such a tragic character. I think I would have gotten Mickey Rourke back in 1988. He's a fine actor. Yeah, he's a fine actor and would have done a wonderful job. And then the Sister Mary role in 1988 would probably have gone to Winona Ryder. She's done stuff where she's got this heroin chic thing about her. And I've seen her in a lot of roles where she's really pushing herself as, as an actor. So that's that's pretty interesting. I, I I looked at that. I was like, okay, I can actually see those people acting. I mean, if we're going back to 1988, those roles would have been fine for those for those actors in this movie. I like Winona. Y- yes, you do. I've heard you talk about her a couple times. I'm a big fan. <laughs> All right. You know who else I like? Who do you like? Sophia. Sophia. Did you already forget about our biggest fan? Oh. Of course, come on, Sophia Chen. Yes. Yeah. So, oh, because I didn't say her last name, that's why it didn't come to you right yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. I had to put them both together. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe she could have been a you know played in the movie as well. Who knows? <laughs> we don't even know how old Sophia Chen is. This is true. So uh, <laughs> we don't know. I will. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything bad because she may be a minor. So let's move on down. <laughs> Let's get into, uh, should we get into our first song, like what we're doing here, what we're bringing? Yes, let's just, uh, let's do it the way we've traditionally done it. Let's start with track number one. All right, so let's move on down. But what I'm going to do here, Hollywood, is I'm going to break a couple rules because that's what I am. I'm a rule breaker. And I'm going to combine tracks one and two. 
Oh, and okay. those would be, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to break a little rule. You could probably just play a little bit of track number two, since track number one has no music, but track number one is I Remember Now, and track number two is Anarchy X. So here's the story up to this point with I Remember Now, Nikki's in the hospital, barely remembering anything from his life, but then the memories come flooding in. And when Anarchy X starts, the story behind this is that Nikki remembers how, as a heroin addict and would-be political radical, frustrated with contemporary society due to the economic inequality, corruption, and hypocrisy around him, he was manipulated into joining a supposed secret organization dedicated to revolution. Now, to me, I love this. I mean, it's a great sound, but there's not a lot to it. It just builds towards the greatness that is definitely on the way with this album. And I'm sure you agree with that. This is actually a pretty good Anarchy X, almost worthy of the playlist for me, but nobody else is going to understand that doesn't know Queensryche. Right, exactly. I mean, uh, and I'll talk about this a little bit later on in the album, but sometimes certain instrumentals are okay to be added to a song as an intro, whereas certain ones are not. This one kind of, it could have been like the intro to Revolution Calling, but they decided to keep it as its own separate track, and I'm fine with that. So uh, let's get into the, the very next track, which really starts the music. All right, so the next track is called, which is track number three, it is Revolution Calling. All right, so Revolution Calling, the story with this is that Dr. X brainwashes Nikki to join the revolution. And for me, there's not much going on for the first 30 seconds of the intro, but then the greatness begins. And I know that you guys heard, not all of you out there, but if you heard our Dio uh, breakdown a couple weeks ago when we did the Rainbow Years, this is, we're going to gush about Jeff Tate as much as we <laughs> gushed about Dio. And so just bear with us. But this song, it's so electrifying and captivating. And the subject matter is very relatable uh, to the things that are actually going on in this country right now. Right. Uh, this song is so good, so instrumentally full and Tate is just in his prime. This song is easily grade A prime. What do you think, Hollywood? Yeah, Revolution Calling to me, it's when I hear the intro for this song, it's just a classic Queensryche intro. It has strummed chords from a clean tone electric guitar, and the second distorted electric guitar is kind of chunking on a string with Scott Rockenfeld doing this really cool cymbal drum pattern with drum smacks, and then the whole band finally kicks in, and we hear this melodic dual harmony guitar riff before the verse. I love... That is the formula. You hear that in a lot of Queensryche songs, and I love it. And my favorite lyrics are in the first verse and uh, the second pre-chorus, I should say, the first and second pre-chorus, where he says, I used to trust the media to tell me the truth, tell us the truth but now i've seen the payoffs everywhere i look who do you trust when everyone's a crook and then he says i used to think that only america's way was right but now the holy dollar rules everybody's lives gotta make a million doesn't matter who dies Wow. So you hear those lyrics, those words really set up the concept of the whole album with Nikki feeling betrayed by the media and politics and religion. And just like you said, Dirty Gem, talk about a song and an album that continues to resonate here 35 years later. It's just like if he wrote the if this album was written today, it'd be like, oh, OK, that makes sense today. <laughs> we know exactly what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> so, Revolution Calling, it's an absolute prime cut. It's now making the Ultimate Gen X Rock and Mixtape playlist on Spotify. I think back then, the reason why I never really thought of like, when I'm going through this song today, I'm like, wow, this is America. And yeah. back then, I think the reason why I never even thought of it that way is because the internet wasn't around to let us know all the craziness that's actually going on. 
and probably at the time in, in 1988, we were partying so much. We, <laughs> did, we didn't care. Did we, we didn't care. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know who pre- I don't even know who the president was. But. Yeah, we were at so many keg parties and just it was just insane. I mean, here we are. We're like 20, 21 years old, and we're still hanging out in the woods at keg parties. We started going to bars and stuff. It, it, we just didn't care. We were just partying. Hey, did you hear what Ronald Reagan said? I don't care. Yeah, he's not even president anymore. I think it's some guy named Bush. Who? <laughs> Bush. Anyway, we won't make any Great jokes beer. about <laughs> All right. Let's get down to track number four, Operation Mind Crime. Okay, so Operation Mind Crime. So here, the story continues here. So at the head of this radical organization is this mysterious uh, politic, uh, political and religious demigod known as Dr. X. Now, he's the one who manipulates Nikki through just this combination of hypnosis and brainwashing and doses of heroin to which, obviously, Nikki is addicted. And he, uh, Dr. X, uh, leads him to become an assassin. Now, whenever Dr. X uses the word mind crime, Nikki becomes his docile puppet. And this is a state which Dr. X uses to command Nikki to undertake any murder that the doctor wishes every time he says mind crime. So this track, it starts off with the telephone ringing. Nikki picks up the phone and he hears someone say, mind crime. He hangs up the phone, his breath is shaking, the phone rings again. Nikki picks up the receiver and the song just starts with this awesome, heavy mid-tempo guitar riff with pounding drums and a thumping bass line. What a cool way to start the song. I really love it. And then you start hearing Jeff Tate's phenomenal vocals. The gushing begins. <laughs> and the, the verses as he sings, he's so good the way he kind of phrases his words and sings. And I love the pre-chorus. It's great. The chorus is amazing. Then we get to this twin guitar attack in the solo started by Michael Wilton, kind of with this whammy bar dive bomb. And then Chris DeGarmo finishes out the solo in style. So this title track, Operation Mindcrime, Awesome song, amazing. It's now making the Ultimate Gen X Rock uh, Mixtape playlist as a grade A prime cut. All right, for me, this song is loaded with assertive attitude. And just like Revolution Calling, everything about this is just melodiously awesome. Lyrically, this is a very well-told story. But musically, this is a masterpiece i mean not only this song but the whole album the story i can't believe how like when you listen to the wall you know it's a good story but this one here is so well told i think this would have made a better movie than the wall the wall was just freaky anyway but this thing would have been this thing could actually be a great movie yeah, I, I think I think they could even do it today. I know it's an album that's 35 years ago, but if if you have a smart filmmaker and he just takes the concept and the story of this album, you could turn this easily into a movie. I don't think the powers that be would appreciate a movie. I mean, who would believe that the government is trying to fool us. Who would believe this? It's it's a ridiculous, ridiculous storyline. Come on, Hollywood. <laughs> well, I am in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, should we move down to the next song? That's uh, yeah. two songs in a row, Revolution Calling and Operation Mindcrime joining the playlist. Let's move down and see what happens with track number five, Speak. All right, so with Speak... Nikki is feeling the power as his ego grows. He is the new Messiah. He is a death angel with a gun. And that pretty much sums it up. But <laughs> the intro bursts onto the scene and the verses, they, they're menacing and very aggressive. The pre-chorus is short, but it's so gripping. And the chorus itself, which is also pretty short, takes things down quite a few notches. But Hollywood, don't worry, because it doesn't last long before this song returns to the perfection that it is. 
And that bridge before the chorus is awesome. And I don't say that about a lot of bridges, but this one is awesome. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, I wish it would have finished with that electrifying pre-chorus instead of the chorus, but I like how it built up to that abrupt ending. And this one just, it just ends. Uh, the lyrics for, for this album are just flawless. And it obviously doesn't hurt that Jeff Tate is bringing them to life. And he, he really does. I mean, I liked him in the warning. I liked Rage for Order and that four. Was it four on the uh, demo they did? The first one, was it four? Originally, it was an actual four-song EP. Right. And then didn't they add like another song after? Like uh, Yeah, they, they added like a, a four or five more songs later on right. on the re-release. <laughs> but but this is, this is all so good. I don't know what Hollywood's going to think because he doesn't have the the ear that I do for greatness. Hollywood, what do you think about Speak? <laughs> I like how you said uh, you mentioned that Nikki is a, a, a death angel for the, for death, the order. He's a death angel with a gun. On the last yeah. one, yeah. on one of the on one of the previous ones, because you did the one for uh, Operation Mindcrime, I wrote at the end, he's a one man killing machine. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I like that you refer to him as as a death angel because it's funny. You probably are not even familiar with the band Death Angel. There's an actual thrash band called Death Angel. Are you familiar with them? I love them. I have I have like six of their first albums. Get out of here. <laughs> six of their first. <laughs> yeah, I actually bought the first one six, six times because I loved it. Just like uh, just like our friend that wrote in about wearing this out twice. I wore yeah. out I wore out six of the same album. <laughs> I have no uh, idea dude. who Death Angel is. Yeah, uh, one day on an album swap, I will introduce you to Death Angel. <laughs> you know what I? If you don't feel like it, don't feel obligated. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> so for me, for Hollywood, uh, the song Speak, I think uh, I think a lot of Queensryche fans uh, will agree, especially with their uh, early 80s albums, that there's kind of this element of Iron Maiden influence in their style. And the beginning of this song has a little bit of Maiden-esque with the high note arpeggiated riff leading into a descending low note heavy guitar riff. So when you listen to that, you're like, okay, you can see Queensryche, they've borrowed and they've taken a few things uh, from Queensryche here, I mean, from uh, Iron Maiden here and there. Uh, I love it. So uh, there's no typical simple power chords, uh, you know, with Queensryche or in this song. There's a bit of complexity in the musical structure that I really like. Now, I, I like the, the lyrics too. Dirty Jim was talking about the lyrics. I like the, the part where it says, the rich control the government the media, the law, to make some kind of difference, then everyone must know. Eradicate the fascists, revolution will grow. The system we learn says we're equal under law, but the streets are reality. The weak and poor will fall. Let the power balance and tear down their crown and educate the masses will burn the... And I'm not going to say it. It's just, I can't say it. It's a podcast. I mean, I can say, we'll burn the, it's a building in, let's say, Washington, D.C. Right. And that, that building is the same color as generic printer paper. I'll say hey, it like didn't, that. Didn't Madonna <laughs> say it and she got away with it? Well, you know what? We're going to leave it out here. I don't want to say <laughs> we're going to burn that down because uh, you know what happens, you know? Um, That's true. You'll be uh, getting your door busted down. You'll be yeah, yeah, exactly. getting your door busted down at like 3 a.m. Yeah, I don't want the like the FBI or the CIA to smash down my front door. Yeah. <laughs> Hollywood, there's someone at the door for you. FBI, open up! <laughs> they heard our little <laughs> podcast. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I think uh, you know any of our GTFO fans they they would they would love this song, especially if you're a Queensrÿche fan, but. If you're into that kind of ideology, I just want to say, if you're easily affected by those words, then those words turn into action. Just don't listen to Operation Mindcrime, maybe by <laughs> Queensryche. I mean, I'm saying that as a disclaimer, but uh, I'm adding the uh, the song Speak as a prime cut to our playlist. This album makes a lot of sense. But anyway, what do you think about track number six, Spreading the Disease? 
Okay, so spreading the disease. This song starts with Dirty Jim's favorite drumming style, the tribal beat. Love it. And this track from beginning to end highlights the drumming of Scott Rockenfeld. I mean, throughout this entire album, Scott Rockenfeld is, is amazing. I'm going to be talking about him more throughout uh, other songs. But this dude, he's amazingly technically skilled drummer. I mean, he's He's he always adds kind of these per percussive dynamics uh, to enhance kind of the uh, the musical flavor of a song, and but there's a certain part of the song that I picture Dirty Jim screaming during the slowed down bridge, wanting to take like a, a couple of hypodermic needles and saying, "I remember now," and shoving them into his ears to pop his eardrums. <laughs> we'll, we'll hear his comments when he when he talks about the song but basically uh spreading the disease the story here continues telling us about this sad background of this 16 year old runaway girl she ends up as a new york prostitute in times square and so one of dr x's associates who happens to be a corrupt priest by the name of father william he goes out he quote unquote saves this girl from the horrors of prostitution and she becomes a nun named Sister Mary. But Father William, he is one of the lowest types of scumbags out there. And to the outside world, he's this holy man of God. But in secret, he ends up having sex with Mary once a week on the altar inside of the church. Like any man of the cloth should do. Oh, dude. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. It's insane. I mean, I mean, obviously the album's a fictional story, but I mean, we can't deny the facts that these things have been happening in real life throughout religious history. And all of us Gen Xers, we can look back over the last 50 plus years. We've heard reports on the news. We've watched documentaries about multiple court cases about priests who have taken advantage of their position of religious power, and they've committed some of the most horrific and twisted sex crimes. Now, I'm not saying anything against people with religious faith, because obviously, as if you guys have been listening, you know that I am a religious person myself. But listening to something like this, it's a clear indictment on those religious organizations that have knowingly allowed these things to happen. And then they simply shuffle priests from one church to another, to another, to another. To me, it's disgusting, just like the story that's happening here. So the song, Spreading the Disease, it reads like a documentary, and musically, it's worthy of a prime cut making the playlist. Well, Hollywood, I don't know how much I can gush about this album, <laughs> but I think that that spoken word part after the solo went on just a little long. I knew it. I told you. You probably want to uh, poke your ears out. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was just too long, but... But this song is pretty perfect and pushes the story forward in right. uh, a very exciting, ear-pleasing way. It has an invigorating intro, and I love how Tate delivers that first verse in that forceful lower register. Yeah. And the second verse, it's so galvanizing and hard-hitting. <laughs> These lyrics, they, they, they really paint this depressing, depraved picture. And again, Tate brings them to life with his vocal range. I, you know, I keep talking about Tate. I don't mention any of these other guys, so I'm not taking anything away from the other musicians in the band. Everything about the music is amazing. This is just another great song on this album. I mean, obviously, without those other musicians, Jeff Tate probably would... We probably would have never even heard of Jeff Tate. But, right. boy, these guys, how they all got together and formed this band. I don't know how half of these bands do it, but they find the right people at the right time. And these guys really hit a stride with this third album. Absolutely. All right. Let's move to track number seven, The Mission. Okay, so for The Mission, now Nikki is falling for Mary, and he starts to question the things that he's doing for this cause. And that's where the story is at this time. Go back and listen if you're not caught up. But that's where we are now. So with the mission, after a 25-second non-musical intro, the first verse kind of starts out solemnly, 
But the rest of the verses are bold and fiery. The chorus is so deliberate and powerful. I feel like I'm repeating myself so much (laughs) with these songs because I'm just using the same words. I'm actually using different words to say the same thing because these are so good. But anyway, bottom line for this, if you haven't heard this album, you really need to. This is a great album. I remember going to see these guys with, I think it was Heaven and Hell. I'm pretty sure it was Heaven and Hell. But the guys that I went with, only one of them came in to see Queensryche. Oh, I think you mentioned this before. Yeah, was it Tony Grillo that was with yeah, you? Yeah, Tony Tony came in to see Queensryche with me. Right. The other guys, they didn't they didn't really know Queensryche. They I guess they don't like Queensryche and they stayed out and drank some more beers and they missed a good show because wow. Jeff Tate still sounded great and oh, so good. Like this this guy is probably got to be my top 3 of all-time singers. But what did you think of The Mission while I go on and on about Jeff Tate? (laughs) Well, The Mission, I I think uh, it's interesting. I like how the track begins. So you hear Nicky, he's in a room, and he's changing the TV channels until he lands on a televangelist. And the televangelist on the TV says, I want you to reach deep into your hearts and your pocketbooks and take his (laughs) hand. And... All the while, you're hearing Nikki. he's kind of loading a gun until he says over the TV, bless me, Father, for I have sinned, and he shoots out the TV. Next, we hear arpeggiated, clean tone, acoustic and electric guitars playing what starts off kind of as a, a, as a ballad until about one minute and 17 seconds when it just changes to this rocking, distorted, heavy mid-tempo riff. I, I really like the uh, uh, the production quality in the song. They start using some background keyboards in the chorus and in the chorus. And again, Jeff Tate sounds amazing with the harmonized vocals in this chorus. And then during the guitar solo, Chris DeGarmo kind of takes the lead here. A really nice, tasty, melodic guitar solo by him. I like this track a lot. It's obviously making the playlist as a prime cut. It seems like you may love Jeff Tate. <laughs> but why you don't you gu- marry you gush. him? Gush. <laughs> yeah, why don't you marry him? Hollywood and Jeff Tate sitting in a tree. K I S S I N G. So so tracks three through track seven now are all joining the playlist. Let's see what happens with track number eight, Sweet Sister Mary. Okay, so Sweet Sister Mary. As, now, as a story continues here, a car pulls up to Nikki on the street as the back window is lowered, and Dr. X says to him, Kill her. That's all you have to do. And Nikki says, Kill Mary? Dr. X continues by saying, She's a risk. And get the priest as well. Then we hear the sound of thunder and falling rain in the background as the arpeggiated guitar music starts along with a choir chant. Now, there are certain religious choir chants in Latin that are just plain creepy. Oh, I mean, yeah. like horror movie creepy. And that's what we're hearing at the beginning of this song. This is the theatrical centerpiece of the whole album. It rev- This track, it's 10 minutes and four, 41 seconds long. That's what I got too, Hollywood. It, it's all, it's super dynamic. There's variations in pitch, power, pace. It's up, it's down, it's fast, it's slow. I love it because there's so much going on in this song. Now, it's not your standard formulaic track, that's for sure. So, because I mean, what do I do here? Do, do we keep it off of the playlist because it's so weird? It's different. It's almost 11 minutes long. Nay, this song is making the prime cut list and making the playlist. If you don't like it, just skip the track. Dirty Jim, on to you. All right. So here's the way I feel about it. Now, I think there's some great moments to this song. And and like you said, 
this pushes the song along. It's very long. It's very theatrical. I don't think it makes sense on the playlist because I think people are going to hear this. If you've never heard this album, you're going to hear this song and be like, "This." if you add this song, you might as well add it. All of those crazy songs from Queen where they just went on and on with craziness. <laughs> I mean, that album was full of theatrical songs that I'm like, this is some weird stuff. How was this band so popular back then? Queen, yeah. not not Queen's Reich. I'm talking about Queen, right? Um, but this song, I mean, to me, it's a great song because I love this album, and it, it it definitely pushes this album along. It's just so long and doesn't really do a lot in the song. It's it's a lot of craziness for me. I would not have added it to the playlist, but if you want it to be a prime cut then I guess it's on the playlist and people could just skip it. All right, let's move on. All right, we're going to track number nine, The Needle Lies. Okay, so with The Needle Lies, the story moves on and Nikki loves Mary and meets with Dr. X to tell him that they are both leaving the group because as we found out in Sweet Sister Mary, that he did kill the priest, but he did not kill Mary. So just like most of these songs, this starts with some dramatic dialogue, but it's only seven seconds. And then it's an all-out, furious, glorious aerial assault. One that's made for this playlist. Not so sure about Sweet Sister Mary, but this one is definitely made for the playlist. It's such a great Great song. One of my favorites on this album. Obviously not my favorite because I'm not dropping anything on it right now. But I do love <laughs> this song. And I think this one definitely deserves a little playlist attention. What do you think, Hollywood? So the needle lies. So this track begins, as Dirty Jim says, with dialogue. You have Nikki. His line is, I've had enough and I want out. And Dr. X says, you can't walk away now. As he laughs a sinister laugh. Dirty Jim, give me your best sinister laugh right now. <laughs> that that kind of turned. <laughs> yeah, it turned because I laughed at myself. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I don't even know how my laugh was now. It's I can funny only remember because me laughing at me. It started off like really good and at one point it just stopped it's like you got embarrassed at yourself and you started laughing no i was like i was like what am i even doing and i just laughed at myself uh, anyway just like dirty jim said this is once the song starts it's just rapid fire drum beats by scott rockenfeld into this upbeat ripper of a song and dirty jim you know i love fast upbeat songs and the needle uh the needle lies does not disappoint me it's only three minutes and eight seconds and i love the fact that the guitar solo it's already starting at the one minute and 22 second mark so there you have chris DeGarmo now is playing the a portion of the solo michael wilton then finishes out the guitar solo to a crescendo which then they transition to this heavy twin guitar arpeggiated riff before finishing out with the final verse and repeated chorus. I really dig this track. It's 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 a cool song. It's a fast, upbeat track. It's a prime cut, making the Ultimate Gen X Rock and Mixtape playlist on Spotify. Okay, let's move on to track number 10, Electric Requiem. Okay, so with Electric Requiem, now this is a, an instrumental, but we hear that the story's it's continuing here at this time. So basically... What's happening at this part of the story is Nikki comes back to the church and he finds Mary dead. So on the album, there's a, a bit of a mystery here. You don't know who killed her. Was it Dr. X? Did he uh, convince uh, Nikki to kill uh, Mary while under the spell of Dr. X? We don't actually know and we don't find out the answer until a live stage performance in 2007 called Mind Crime at the Moor. And I don't know if you've seen this DVD or you've seen it on YouTube, Dirty Jim. I think I have it. 
Okay, great. So in that, this is a, a Mind Crime at the Moor is a live stage performance. They play some videos on screen, but there's actually actors and they themselves are acting out the scenes of the actual album. And so when it comes to Mary's death scene, you hear Dr. Rex is actually calling her on the phone. He convinces her to put a gun in her mouth and she pulls the trigger. So now we have the answer. Ultimately, Mary is the one who kills herself. She commits suicide and that ends the mystery. So Electric Wequiem, it's not an, an actual song. It's just instrumental. Obviously, it's not going to make the, the playlist for me, uh, but it does help to explain a little bit more of the story. See, I disagree that it's not a song because it's got its own track, Hollywood. And if you're going to call it not a song, I think that's an insult to Electric Requiem. Oh, okay, I, I think I misspoke then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. It is a track. It's one minute and twenty two seconds, and like pretty much like you said, it's just a short theatrical instrumental that's just continuing the story. Right. But let's move on to track number eleven, breaking the silence. Okay, so with Breaking the Silence, the story moves on, and the loss of Mary drives Nikki crazy. And from that electric intro to the first two building verses and that stimulating chorus and third verse, this is just another winner. Like, you know, you hit track number 10, and it's like, it's really kind of a wasted track, but then this album... It just takes off again. And I'm not going to go on and on praising it. Just know it's awesome. And bear with me because I have two more of these songs to fawn over after this one. And there are a few more songs, but only two that are really probably coming to the playlist. I'm not sure. Hollywood throws in a surprise every once in a while. <laughs> what did you think about Breaking the Silence? Okay, so uh, breaking the silence, like you said, I mean, the story continues. Here, Nikki's running around uh, through the streets. He's screaming Mary's name because he does, you know, he's not accepting her death. But talk about a well-executed thirty-second intro. This is how you do an intro to a song. This is t all you guys who are in bands out there listening to the Get the Fluff Out podcast. Listen to this song, the beginning of Breaking the Silence. You have this, a thumping bass line, slamming drums, distorted guitar chords ringing out, and then they transition with a pick scrape down the guitar neck before going into this awesome heavy riff. And then I love the slow, distorted, arpeggiated guitars under the verse. And when we start talking about uh, the drumming again, Scott Rockenfeld, he's just uh, one of those drummers is just... He blows me away. He his uh, his percussion and his drumming phrasing is insane. I I love listening closely to his selective odd meter timing on certain beats in the songs. He's definitely he's not a boring drummer at all. So when I listen to songs and music, I listen very closely to every part of the music. Dirty Jim listens to the song overall kind of as a fan. He listens to the lyrics and the words, not so much the music as intricately as I do. It's not a, a slam on Dirty Jim. It's just I get more into the music. No, I'm just so, a normal white man from town. <laughs> from, from Florida. <laughs> so anyway, great pre-chorus. There's a cor uh, awesome chorus, amazing vocals. I love the high-pitched harmonies done. Now this time, when you hear these high-pitched harmonies behind uh, uh, Jeff Tate, it's actually Chris DeGarmo. And Chris DeGarmo, he's an amazing singer in his own right. You can watch the 80s like videos and, and live performances. Chris DeGarmo is the one hitting these very high vocal harmonies singing along with Jeff Tate. He's amazing. And then we have another twin guitar solo by DeGarmo and Wilton. This song could have easily been released as a single, but for whatever reason... They didn't release it that way. It's still an awesome track. It's an easy grade A prime cut making the playlist. All right, let's move to track number 12, I Don't Believe in Love. Okay, so I Don't Believe in Love. So here now the story is starting to, to, to wind down, and here we are. The police arrive. They arrest Nikki. 
They do a search. They find a gun on him. He's taken into custody on suspicion of murdering Mary and the murders that he committed for Dr. Rex. So this track then has this cool mid-tempo distorted guitar riff intro with a galloping bass line by Eddie Jackson before transitioning to arpeggiated guitars under the verses. Now, I, I dig the harmonized vocals in the chorus, and I love hearing the sound of the crash cymbal that Rockenfeld uses to accent the chorus. And for me, on this song, it's, it's probably one of the best twin guitar solos on the album. It starts with Michael Wilton playing some really nice legato phrases, which then transitions to Chris DeGarmo playing some tasty pinch harmonics and a slight use of the whammy bar as he ascends the guitar neck. And then Michael Wilton joins in by playing a complimenting harmonized melody as the band stops and both guitars end the solo with this high note harmonized trill. Oh, dude, it's just for a musician, for a guitar player, it's just awesome. I, I love hearing it. And I remember seeing this video a bunch of times in regular rotation on MTV, on Headbangers Ball. It's an easy prime cut making the playlist. All right, so for me, this one starts out with a vibrant intro that breaks down for the first verse, and the verses slowly build, and that last line in each verse really takes a hold of you. Yeah. And I love that. I love how, you know, you could be going through a verse, even if you're going through like a mellow, a mellow song, and all of a sudden they just accentuate that last line and yeah. like really use their vocals, which he does, and... He uses his vocals great. We've been we've been just loving on him this whole this whole podcast. But <laughs> I mean, I just love what he does with that last line in each verse. And and this has a, a great chorus sung with purpose, especially the last one. I might actually adopt this song as my theme song for life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe in love. <laughs> yes. Okay, so let's move on down. And what I'm going to do again, Hollywood, and I hope you're not mad at me. And if you are, you know what? Suspend me. Suspend me for an episode. <laughs> do the episode yourself. See how you could do. See if Sophia Chen comes back and listens again. Oh, but anyway, <laughs> I'm going to con I'm going to combine uh, tracks 13 and 14, Waiting for 22, and My Empty Room. All right, so... With tracks 13 and 14, the story goes, Nikki has a memory loss and ends up in a mental hospital where he retraces his last moments with Mary. And that's pretty much what these songs do. One is a minute and five seconds. That's uh, track number 13, Waiting for 22. And track number 14 is a minute and 25 seconds. Um, you know, with My Empty Room, track number 14, it's a short song with some solid vocals towards the end. But I wouldn't, me, I wouldn't do it. I don't know what Hollywood's going to do. But I wouldn't put either one of these on the playlist. I don't think they belong on there because they just don't make sense on a playlist. Yeah, I, I agree. I'll just kind of get it out of the way here. Th these two won't be making the playlist for me. But I do have something to say about uh, Waiting for 22. Now, I gotta say, I knew you had something to say because you never don't have something to say. <laughs> so go right, go right ahead. So when I hear "Waiting for 22," I mean it's this slow, melancholy instrumental, and there's some really nice guitar playing, and it's meant to be this musical transition to the conclusion of the storyline, which we, you know, ex which you talked about there in, in the next track. And but I am so glad that they decided to make waiting for 22 a separate track and not make it the ending solo piece of i don't believe in love because when you hear it if you're not seeing the change it almost sounds like it's the ending solo or could be the ending solo to i don't believe in love because you know queens they're a progressive rock band and they've done some weird stuff in the past and there's you know there's some weird stuff that was actually on this album as well but uh, if they would have done that, it would just dragged out I Don't Believe in Love unnecessarily for an additional one minute and five uh, seconds. Now, Dirty Jim and I, we've reviewed a lot of music, and we've heard some bad decisions by bands or management. True. And I think of one song specifically that Dirty Jim hates the ending. 
It's the one where we reviewed the album Heaven and Hell and the song Heaven and Hell by Black Sabbath. You love the song, but you hate the fadeaway. Oh, there's plenty of songs I can say that about. (laughs) Because the song ends, but then you hear this kind of just fadeaway, soft, classical guitar melody for a full minute. Now, I don't mind it, but Dirty Jim's comment, he was like, what are they doing? Uh, he hated that that last piece of it. That last piece actually could have been separated as its own track, you know, kind of the way Queensryche did here. But anyway, I mean, sometimes it's okay to attach the instrumental or, or, or not. In this case, I'm glad that Waiting for 22 is its own separate track. Dirty Jim talked about My Empty Room. Let's go on to the final track of the album, Dirty Jim. Track number 15, last track of the album, Eyes of a Stranger. Okay, so Eyes of a Stranger. So here is the final track of this masterpiece album. And here we have, it's kind of this flashback uh, track in which the, the plot began, it ends, it starts all over. It's kind of this circle. And we return to the present. We're in, we're in a hospital, and it's at the beginning of the story. Nikki's managed to kind of regain his memory, but now he's staring at his own image in a mirror, and he's unable to identify who he is or what he has become. So if you listen closely to the very beginning of the song, you're going to hear a woman on an intercom calling, Dr. Davis, telephone please, Dr. Davis. It's the same exact dialogue at the start of the album, and at the end of Eyes of a Stranger, you also hear Nikki say, I remember now. Which brings us back to the beginning of the story. So when the song starts, you actually hear this orchestrated keyboard starting the track along with a fade and echoed scream. And these guys, again, are the kings of electric arpeggiated twin guitars leading right into this dual harmonized intro solo. I love the sound of the strummed, uh, clean tone electric guitars with reverb under the ballad type verses. And I feel this is the song. Out of all the great songs that we've heard, this is the song that features Jeff Tate's best vocal performance on the album. I mean, he displays a great vocal low baritone range as well as his high range with some amazing screams and vibrato. Both Krista Garmo and then Michael Wilton also provide us with a flashy, melodic, harmonized solo. These two guys together were a great guitar duo. And then Scott Rockenfeld, once again on the drums. He finishes this album with everything he's got. He just lays it out on the table. All the different rhythmic elements, his cymbal work is amazing on this song. I love everything about this song. It's the culmination of the entire album. Not only is it making the playlist, it's a great A prime cut. It's also my badass blast track of the album. Three, two, one. Badass blast. Oh, Hollywood. <laughs> Yeah, baby! <laughs> wow, I know what's coming up. I I gotta get that ready. Go ahead. Yeah, go. Get it ready. All right. So we, <laughs> for me, the first thirty-eight seconds of the intro is theatrical and slowly building, and then this explodes with instrumental magnificence. It breaks down a little for the first verse, but the last line of that verse just sets the stage for the rest of the song, starting with the most dynamic, captivating chorus on this album. This is so good. You know what? Let me go as far as to say this is great from beginning to end. And my favorite song on the album, and and that's saying a lot, because this whole thing is great. But let me ask you a question, Hollywood. Do you smell that? <laughs> do you sm- do you smell what's coming? Hold on. I, <laughs> it's I a smell- dirty bomb, Hollywood. It's a dirty bomb. It's a dirty bomb. 
That is a great song. That is a great song. (laughs) (laughs) So come on. You know what that is. It was my favorite track. It's your favorite track. Dirty Jim, introduce it. What does that mean? (laughs) Oh, it's spanking good. Ooh, doggy, that's spanking good. Wow. Oh, look at that spanking good track of the album. Wow, we haven't that had one of those for in a you, while. Sophia. That one's for you. <laughs> it's for you, Taiwan. Yeah, welcome aboard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, what a way to end the album. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. I Again, I think you can tell that Queensryche and the guys who were in the production and everything, they really used Pink Floyd's The Wall kind of as this outline of what they could do. But this, they just did like a heavy metal version of The Wall, but with this amazing story that, like you said before, it's 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 relevant now. Yeah, that, very it, it, relevant. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And all the different things that they did, the way they ended the album is kind of the way the story began. Same thing with Pink Floyd, The Wall. When you hear like the very beginning of the uh, uh, the very first uh, track on the wall, and you hear the ending of the last track, it's a loop. It's the exact same thing. It's a story goes around in a circle in a circle. I love that crap. So what an amazing album! I love that crap. He says, (laughs) (laughs) I love that crap. (laughs) It's just too much goodness. It was man. I haven't heard this album from beginning to end. In a long time, I would hear tracks here and there because, you know, we hear, you know, shuffles, you know, you you shuffle a playlist or whatever, shuffle songs on Spotify or Pandora. But to hear it over and over and kind of preparing for this podcast, I was like, wow, man, I, I really, really enjoyed listening to this album the way that I did preparing for this uh, for this episode. I actually, I love The Wall, and I love Roger Waters' vocals on The Wall. But yeah, me too. I think that this album blows away The Wall. Yeah, you know what? It's a, yeah, it's it's in a different category. I mean, The Wall is something completely different because it's, uh, there's, there's, el- there's emotional elements that are very different. There's internal, um, personal, kind of deep-seated depression and stuff going on but yeah you got the same thing going on here too with Nikki. he's a heroin addict he's messed up he's being you know brainwashed by this dude that you know wants revolution yeah it's 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 an awesome both of them are awesome in their own rights but yeah, oh, yeah. I, I mean i i'm not putting down the wall because i still love it but man this thing here i it's i love this crap <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's awesome you know what we gushed over this album so much, and you know what? Really, that does it for our episode review of Operation Mind Crime by Queensryche. So, Dirty Jim, why don't you go ahead, mention our companion episode, as well as what amazing music that we're going to be reviewing next time. All right, so the companion episode to this one is a Make Me a Mix of Steely Dan, and we're taking four of their albums, their first four, I believe. Isn't that true, Hollywood? Yes, All right, and the first one is Can't Buy Me a Thrill from 1972, 1973's Countdown to Ecstasy, 1974's Pretzel Logic, and Katie Lied from 1975. And in a couple weeks, you're going to be able to hear two more episodes. One is an album swap. I'm going to be bringing Disturbed, The Sickness from 2000, and Hollywood is going to be bringing All Hope is Gone from 2008 from the band Slipknot. And then we're going to do something brand new for you called the Rockin' Rabbit Hole. And this version we're going to do is the lipstick and leather version. So it's going to be some kind of 80s glam, metal, uh, hard rock, something like that. But it's going to be one of our spandex leather bands. Um, Do you want to tell them about the Rockin' Rabbit Hole a little bit, Hollywood? Okay, just to kind of whet the appetite for everybody. Basically what Dirty Jim and I decided, we wanted to do an episode where we had no preparation whatsoever we just wanted to uh, discover music on the episode with you guys 
So we're going to get more into the specifics when we get into that kind of episode. But essentially what we're doing is we're just going to go to Spotify. We're going to select a band and as kind of the foundational band. And then right. we're going to go down and go to where it's as fans like. And we're going to start down what we're calling this rock and rabbit hole and discover other bands that we may or may not have heard of and start listening to music along with you guys and see if it's going to make the playlist or not. Right, and we're not going to have any notes, so you have no idea what I'm going to say. But anyway. <laughs> and likewise. So, <laughs> Tell them where uh, they could contact us or all see right. us. Yeah, so uh, guys, go ahead. Hit the follow button on Spotify or your preferred platform. That way you can be notified when new double episodes are released on the 1st and the 15th of the month. Also, you can send us an email. It's We're cool with that. Go ahead and send it with comments or suggestions. Send it to getthefluffoutpodcast at gmail.com. And you could also feel free to comment on our social media channels. We love when you guys comment and post stuff on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Uh, or you could just do a Google search and type in Get the Fluff Out Podcast. We're all over the place. Or just go directly to our website, www.getthefluffoutpodcast.com. All right, and these sound effects that we don't do ourselves, we get from a site called zapsplat.com. And the intro music is a combination of two loops from a site called looperman.com. The first is a drum loop from HP Records called Vintage Kit 2. And the second is a guitar loop from Geomoon called Groovy Rock Guitars Loop Riff. All right, and the outro music that you're hearing right about now is a song called Elijah Fields by our band... Forced Entry. That's the Forced Entry from Connecticut, not the Forced Entry from Washington, Seattle, Washington. We did that song back in 1988. It was copywritten by Hollywood and Dirty Jim. So we want to thank everyone for carving out some time in your busy schedule to listen to the Get the Fluff Out podcast and to get just a little bit Gen X nostalgic with us. So with that being said, Dirty Jim, we just got the fluff out. Sophia! Ha, 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 ha.